Hey guys, this is Darren. Welcome back to ACE. This is the show where we explore the self-employed creative life, how you can choose a career that is satisfying creatively, um, socially, and financially. Is it possible? Can you do this all on your own? And I have lived this life, or I should say I've tried to live this life for the past decade. Yeah, pretty much since 2011. I quit my job in 2011. That was the last time I had a job. And it's almost 2020 now. I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of look back at the past 10 years and talk about, I guess, what I'm proud of in the past 10 years, what I've learned in the past 10 years, and moving forward into the next decade, what I'd like to do. This exercise actually came from Marie Forleo's video where she instructs you how to do a, a decade in review. And I thought it was a really good exercise. I'm a big fan of hers. So I jotted down some scribbles. And what I realized, you know, when I came up with these lists was that many times what I'm proud of and what I learned are very much related. And I had to get through some rough spots and some challenges to get to where I was proud of, of making something happen or proud of being someone. So I will talk about them together. I'll talk about three things that I'm really proud of and uh, also three things, related things, that I've learned in the past 10 years. The first thing that I think I'm really proud of looking back was that I was able to, I hesitate to say build a passive income business because I don't like that term passive income. Uh, It definitely wasn't completely passive because I had to put in a lot of time to build it, and I still put in a lot of time to maintain it. But I think what I'm most proud of was experiencing the split between money and time. And what I mean by that was that my ability to make money was not related to the amount of time I spent working. That might sound really basic, but as someone who, you know, previously worked in many jobs, uh, in his 20s, and the beating part of his 30s, it's quite an interesting feeling, I have to say, to realize that, for example, you know, one month you're hardly working on the business, but you're having a really solid uh, financial month, maybe one of the all-time great months, even though you're not working on the business every day. And even though I don't make that much money with my business, I think it's it's a feeling and an experience that really motivates me to create better businesses and gives me more motivation to create better businesses too because if I can do that, um, create value for people and divorce that from how much time I'm spending so there's not a direct correlation between my time working and my income, that frees me up to give my best gift to the world, right? That frees me up to work on projects that are thrilling, that fascinate me, that pull me along. And so I think I'm really proud that I was able to do that this decade. It definitely took years. I don't know the exact amount of time, but I guess about three or four years before uh, I was able to achieve that. The flip side to that and the lesson I learned was that I, I didn't get enough help. I tried to do too much on my own. And because of that, I delayed how quickly I could have gotten to that point or to that experience. 
So I think it took me a lot longer than it should have to get to that point. And I think a lot of this goes back to the fact that I've always been the star of the show. I've always been the guy that got the best grades or the best tennis player in the school. Yeah, I've always been the star. I've never been the producer, right? The producer is the one who assembles people together, that assembles talent, that sees the opportunity, assembles a team, and then does something, right? I've always been the person doing the work or in the limelight. And I think that especially, you know, coming from as individual a sport as tennis, that has been a a bad habit for me um, that I've had to overcome, which is, you know, I always just want to do everything myself. I don't want to rely on other people. Uh, I want to be in control. And so I think looking forward to the next decade, that's, this is something I'm going to have to let go of and I'm going to have to get much better at. Yeah. And two side notes to that about the lifestyle. I think I was enamored with this idea of uh, being able to work and live anywhere. And it was pretty amazing the first couple of years, I have to say. I, I was thrilled to have the chance to live in um, Vietnam and Colombia, and I'll come back to that in the next point. But after a couple of years, I realized that it was quite isolating, actually. And well, let's put it this way. It was very tiring, first of all, traveling uh, place to place and then trying to do good work. Actually, I found it to be counterproductive because I would be in this vacation, explore, discover mindset whenever I got to a new place, whether that's from habit or simply because I'm a curious person, I would want to explore like every part of a new city I was in. Or if I was in a new country, I just would want to like see everything and not in a tourist sense, but in in a very living sense. Like I want to be among the people and and see how they're living and see what they're eating, see what they're talking about. I want to learn their language. I want to go to their hangouts. I love to do that. And whenever I was traveling to a new city, I was in that mindset. And it was really hard for me to like break out of that and work. So I found it counterproductive, especially in the beginning when you're really trying to build a business. I found that really tough to do. And I have some friends who are able to do it. They're in a different city every three months or even every uh, two weeks. But for me personally, I found it extremely challenging and then also very isolating, right? Because uh, I really enjoy people. And so when you move to a new place, you want to have friends. You don't, maybe the first couple of times you're excited to do everything on your own. But then I found myself wanting to share those experiences and those discoveries and those like new moments with people. And uh, that's hard to do because most people, at least right now, have, you know, traditional jobs and are bound by those sorts of schedules. So I found it very isolating to travel all the time. And so I, I realized I needed a community. And the best book I read on this is Tribe by Sebastian Junger. I highly recommend it. It really put into words what I felt during this experiment I did this past decade in that biologically, we're probably not meant to exist on our own. Modern technology has given us the tools and and the ability to make a living without depending on anyone, really, right? Many people do it, but I don't think that's a really natural way of being for humans. I think we were, we're used to being in a tribe. We're used to helping out other people and defending the tribe and helping that tribe eat food. So when you're doing everything in isolation, it, uh, it can really drag you down, or at least it dragged me down. 
So definitely check out Tribe by Sebastian Junger. It's a quick read. He's like an anthropologist slash filmmaker slash writer. And uh, it's just a very different perspective than the normal business book. So check that out. Okay, the second thing I'm really proud of, I think, was living and experiencing Colombia. So I got to spend about 15 months in Medellin, Colombia. I've always had this dream since high school to live in South America because that's when I started learning Spanish. And yeah, I love the Spanish language. It was probably my favorite um, class in high school, but never really got to use it uh, much in real life. And so when I finally had the chance after my, my business was stable enough where I felt like I could move to another place, I, I did it. And um, I'd never been to South America before. I'd never been to Colombia before. Uh, Medellin obviously has a very checkered past that has been all, kind of romanticized by all the Pablo Escobar TV series and stuff like Narcos. But I, let's put it this way. When thinking back over the past 10 years, one moment that I remember was when I was driving from my family's house in um, Thousand Oaks, California to the the Los Angeles airport. I'm about to go to Medellin, Colombia with my one bag. I was so frightened. You know, I'd made all the preparations, I bought the plane ticket, arranged the Airbnb, all that in, in Medellin. But to actually be doing it and about to leave home, that place of security was so thrilling and so frightening. My head was in a rush. Like I felt totally lightheaded. I really doubted myself. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? I don't know anyone in that country, like literally not one person. And uh, I'm, I'm just going over there. Like, this is crazy. And feeling that buzz was just one of the most memorable moments for me. And I'm so glad I did it. It, it was a challenge for sure. Just getting used to the new culture, being in a new place, I'm feeling a bit unsafe sometimes, but gosh, man, when I look back on my life, that's going to be something that uh, 15 months that I'll never forget that I will forever be grateful that I went. I learned so much about a different way of living. I fell into one of my, my loves, which is salsa dancing and which I'll probably be doing for the rest of my life. And Colombia just gave me so much, Medellin in particular, because I had plans to travel the entire country. But once I took my first salsa class, I knew then and there that this is all I want to do. So, you know, I found some some great dance teachers and dance schools. A shout out to Dance Free. Gosh, yeah, I just went from there. And it's such a great memory for me living in Medellin, Colombia. But what I'm trying to get at with this point in terms of what I'm proud of is that sometimes you have to run towards what scares you. And when I think about when I've grown the most, it's when I've done that. It's when I've run towards living in Colombia and fulfilling a dream, even though like I had no idea where it was going to lead, really. When I ran towards starting my own business and starting a podcast, even though I, I, I didn't really know how that was going to turn out and uh, I was a total newbie, and even starting this show, you know, I've done another podcast before, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's scary. You kind of have to overcome your fears of, of everything. And, and then once you start, you realize, gosh, what was I so afraid of? But I mean, let's face it, we're all scared to do new, new things, and, or at least I am, and to uh, <laughs> jump into new places where you don't know anyone, that's um, it's discomforting. But I've realized every time I've done that as a metaphor in my life, 
I feel like I am so enriched and rewarded, and I walk away with it with these these fantastic memories. The flip side of that is that um, I think that I held myself back still. This is related to judgment. This is something I've learned in the past 10 years, that I have a lot of self-judgment. A lot of it comes from, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe um, I don't want to blame my parents because they were amazing parents. But whatever it was, the way I grew up, maybe it was just my genetics um, and my personality, what I was born with. But I've always wanted to please people. And I think as a kid, that serves you because you learn how to be liked. You learn how to uh, be studious. You learn to be social. And you learn to basically be a good boy, right? Uh, If you're trying to get approval, that's what you do. And um, I think in my teens, I was that kid. And you know, I, I was valedictorian or co-valedictorian of my high school. I was really good at sports. I did really well. I was an obedient kid, I'd say. But I think um, moving into my 20s and my 30s, breaking away from that and just being true to who I really am, <laughs> which I, I would say that uh, who I really am is kind of a fuck up, extremely curious, someone who loves learning, who loves uh, meeting new people and new things and and uh, who's very open-minded and who's trying to learn from those experiences, who loves to help other people, that's more me. <laughs> and even just saying, this is like the first time I've said it out loud. That's really more who I am. I'm more kind of a artist, hippie, wanderer than I am a straight-A student and someone who's like vice president of a really prestigious company. That's not really me, at least not, not now. This is something that I've really had to grasp that it's okay to be yourself. And in fact, it's probably the best thing you can do to inspire other people, to boldly go after your dreams, to boldly like do what you know you are meant to do, to boldly, in a way, say fuck you to pressure from society and parents um, and expectations and status and really just be your best self and give the best thing you can give to other people, whatever that is. It took 10 years of practice and trial and error to to come to that point where I can say that on this show. Because if you're not that way, what's going to happen is you're going to get pulled in so many different directions. You're going to be trying to start your own business, but then also trying to maintain some sort of status with your friends or with your parents. You're not aligned, right? So how can you do anything worthwhile when you're being pulled in multiple directions? And that's where the self-judgment comes in because it's all in your head. A lot of it's in your head, too. Maybe it's not even your parents or not even society telling you you have to be this way. You've just internalized all that, and now you're telling yourself that. So you, you become your own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that that held me back for a long time. And, you know, just one story. For example, when you go to your college networking events— and you're five years out or you're 10 years out or you're 15 years out. I used to think you had to be somebody, right? Yeah, I went to a good school. I went to Princeton. When I come back to my reunions, I have to have done something. Like I have to be doing some cool job or starting an NGO or maybe come back with some some graduate degrees or I work for a prestigious company. I'm a senior person and this or that. Like I need to put on a college shirt, tuck my shirt in. And, and, and that's the right path for many people, okay? So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But for me, that's just not it. And I used to think I had to be that, that person and that by not being that person, there was something wrong, right? But no, actually, the way I think 
you inspire the most people and the way you get the most out of life and, and, you know, you do your best work is you be more and more of yourself and you boldly do those things. You boldly go after them and you boldly are just comfortable with who you are. And then when people see that, they want to be a part of that energy. They want to degenerate and do stuff with you because you're just so comfortable and you're so in your lane, right? You're so doing what you were put here on this earth to do. And so um, when I go to those college reunions now, uh, I'm often the oldest person in the room, but I'm, I just be myself. Like I don't need to put on a, a nice suit or anything. I can just say, yeah, I'm, I'm about to go salsa dancing after this. You want to come? I tell them, yeah, I'm just starting a show. I'm starting a podcast. This is what I'm doing. I notice young people, they seem to light up more. Uh, I think they can just sense that, yeah, that is what you're doing and that's what you want to do. And that's the biggest way you can help people. And um, if any of them wants to do that, you can help them with that. Great. You know, as opposed to being that senior person at that company, but that's not really you. So if it is you, even better, right? But it's not me. The last thing I'm really proud about uh, looking back at the last decade is I think being there for my dad when he had his major heart operation. So I was actually in Medellin, Colombia, having a great time. And then I get the email from my mom with the subject line, dad's in the hospital. I knew right away, oh no, what does this mean? Turns out, yeah, he had been playing um, pickleball, which is his like favorite hobby these days. And um, he just fell short of breath, and and he collapsed. He was playing with three firemen. Can you imagine? They helped him. Like, he didn't have a pulse for a minute, I heard. But they knew exactly what to do. They helped him. They did everything, you know, they, they possibly could, got him in the ambulance. And luckily, um, he <laughs> he's alive. You get to that age um, where, you know, things like this happen not too infrequently. And um, I've always been very aware of my mortality and the mortality of others, but you know, obviously having something like that happen to your dad and out of the blue on a Tuesday is uh, frightening. But I was on a plane back to um, help out with stuff within two days and, um, uh, you know, stayed with him through the recovery period. So like three, four months. I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to do that. I think not, you know, I was just really lucky like that I had my own business and I was able to just, you know, uproot and, and then be back home and, and be there. Uh, during that entire time. So it's less me and more my situation, but nevertheless, I'm still glad I was able to be there for that. It's another great um, reason why I want to divorce my time for my money. So I can be there for, you know, family members and friends if need be, you know, knock on wood. And, you know, on that note, from my anecdotal sort of reflections, I think in your 20s and 30s, you want to like, change the world, or at least I did. I minored in African-American studies because you're just reading these stories of how African-Americans took back power, how the powerless became powerful, and how they fought for so many amazing things, people like Martin Luther King. And I'm not saying I, I ever thought I'd be Martin Luther King, but like this idea of, oh yeah, there's a, a grand struggle taking place, and I want to be a figure somehow helping you know more people and, and helping society in general and um, fighting for, for something right. Like, I kind of had this idea throughout my 20s, but I, I think that, <laughs> where am I going with all this? 
In terms of legacy, we'll really never know our legacies. Even if you know you do all the things that on paper are success, you make a shit ton of money, um, you're famous, tons of stuff, right? Like in the end, is that person more impactful than say a mother who raises, you know, Nelson Mandela? Uh, I'm stealing this from Charles Eisenstein, who's another great thinker I found this decade. But in the end, we won't really know, you know, what was more impactful. 50 years, 100 years, 200 years down the road, like we don't even know our grandparents' stories, right? And they're blood. We can't even remember the richest man or woman from 150 years ago. Like who is that person or the most famous person? Do we even care? No, right? Or at least I don't. So what I've come to conclude is the people I remember who are now past, whether they're blood relatives, like my grandparents, you know, or aunts, or uh, famous people that have impacted me that are dead. It's what they gave you. That's all you remember is what they gave you. That's the only legacy you have is um, what you give to others. No one cares if you get all this stuff for yourself. But if you share that stuff and you give someone stuff or emotions or love or a, a certain state of being, good memories, like that's what legacy is. The last thing is kind of a theme that I've picked up on in the last decade in my 30s. And I think that there's a flow of life going on. The ancient Chinese would call it the Tao. I guess like spiritual people would call it the universe um, or God. But I think there's a certain flow of life that's happening. And you need to ride that thing and not resist it. Uh, let me be more specific. It's really important to know what you want, but is it really what you want? <laughs> These goals and dreams that you have, things you want to do in your life, write a book, uh, live in this other country, you know, start this amazing business, like all those things, are they yours? Are they your goals? Where did those where did they come from? The fact that I want to start this podcast, Ace, was that really my idea? So what I'm getting at here is like Yes, you know what you want, but to me, it's not really what you want. It's labeling what is given to you, what the flow of life puts in your head, being open and receptive and clear to that and not being distracted by all the other stuff, but you know, putting a label on those things you want to do and then writing them down, really imagining them, that is so much more powerful than hard work. So this imagination, this being still and accepting these things that you want to do, that you're called to do, that you're pulled to do, that you can't really describe. First, you have to be in the state to receive those sort of things, right? But then you have to have the courage to say, all right, this is it. I know this to be true. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to go after it. Despite what others say and despite what might seem logical, despite uh, if there's not a market for it, God damn it, you got to just do it, right? So I think you got to like know what you want, but then you have to let go of the, of the how it shows up. This idea came from Simone Wright, who was on episode one about um, using your tuition, but I, I like the way she frames it because uh, it's very powerful and easy to grasp. 
So you know your what and you're going after it, but you let go of the how. Specifically, you know, with my business, I think that I spent a couple of years just pounding my head against the wall, like trying to, to grow it and, and trying to make it something much bigger. But man, it was literally like pushing that rock up the hill. I was barely making any progress. Whereas some of my peers, you know, they put up a business in a week and all of a sudden like the demand floods in. What I'm saying is like, there's a flow of life. Things want to happen. People are more receptive to certain businesses and certain ideas and certain business models and certain art. And you just have to like ride that and not let your ego and uh, your stubbornness and whatever else get in the way. Just give something your best shot then step back. And then if it's not working, it's not working. You got to let it go and move on. Let go, like be very open to how the how of your goals. Of, of what you want to do. And then when you're kind of in that just relaxed mindset and, and you're not forcing something so hard, all of a sudden you start to see where you could really help someone and, and, and make more money or like where you could make something really cool, whatever. Those ideas start to flow in. So I think that's something that I really need to take with me into my 40s is to want something and to imagine something with all of your heart, but to be open to ways that you never imagined you could get there and just being open and relaxed and, and aware of what's going on around you instead of always being head down, knocking your head against the wall. Yeah, that's my decade in review, a lot of personal stuff. I hope they maybe trigger you to think about the same things in your life. What are the three things you're most proud of in the past decade? What are three things that that you learned, three big lessons you learned? And also moving forward, like what are three things that you can drop, that you can let go of uh, moving forward into the next decade. And um, I'm really looking forward to 2020, the next decade, uh, making an awesome show and hopefully helping a lot of you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in 2020. Did you like that episode? Press subscribe leave a review, and tell your friends about us. Yeah! If you want to join the conversation, you want to talk more about this episode, go head over to upstartist.tv ace. That's A-S-E.